Hey everyone, this is Julie Stegman, and I'm one of the pastors at Resurrection City Church. If you don't attend Res City and somehow stumbled onto this podcast, hey, we're really glad that you're here listening. Um, Resurrection City is a church in the Hamlin Midway neighborhood of St. Paul, and right now we are doing a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is a famous sermon that Jesus himself gave, and that is recorded in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And during the sermon series, we have been taking questions from all of you. And one of our recent messages received a lot of really great questions. And unfortunately, we weren't able to answer all of them at the time. So we decided to gather some friends and record a podcast episode where we could wrestle through those questions together. At Resurrection City, we think it's important to read scripture in the context of community. We also think it's okay to ask hard questions and to not always know the answers. But before we jump into the conversation and the questions today, I want to give you a quick recap of the message that these sermon or these questions came from. So on October 30th, I preached from Matthew 6, 25 to 34 on Jesus's radical command not to worry. And if you weren't there that week or haven't had a chance to listen to the message, I would encourage you to stop the current episode that you're listening to and go back and listen to that sermon, because I think it'll really help you understand the context and the questions that we're going to talk about today. And if you did already listen to it, then I'm going to read the passage for us now, just as a reminder, and then we'll kind of dive into our discussion. So Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so our conversation today is going to revolve around the questions that came from that message and that passage. And today I am joined by my lovely friends, Lisa, Katie, and Drew. So do you guys want to give yourselves a a quick little introduction? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Katie. I'm very excited to be part of this conversation. I'm a social worker in the community, and I specifically uh, walk alongside victims and survivors of abuse um, and walk alongside a lot of people who are navigating worry and anxiety, along with my own mental health journey. So very excited to be here. Hey, I'm Drew. Uh, I live in St. Paul with my wife and two kids. Um, I'm a graphic designer by day. Uh, I work for a, a large healthcare corporation. And um, yeah, I too 
am walking through a, a, a journey of mental health and, and learning what it looks like to um, apprentice after Jesus and be a person who worries and a person who feels anxious. And um, and so, yeah, also excited to be a part of this conversation because um, I've learned a lot over the past couple of years and uh, I, I want to learn from, from the rest of y'all too. Hi everyone, um, I'm Lisa. I am a member at Res to Be, um, a wife to Miles, and we have two young girls. Um, I am licensed as a marriage and family therapist, and right now I'm working as an adjunct faculty uh, for the University of St. Thomas in their master's and doctoral psychology programs. And so I've, I've been in the field of mental health for, for quite a while. Um, and it's, it's a complicated thing talking about anxiety. It looks different for every person and what works for one doesn't work for another. And there's, you know, stigmas attached to it and all sorts of things. And so, um, it, it isn't as prescriptive as, you know, you do these things and then it's solved, but it really is a journey for each person to figure out how to navigate this and what to do with worry. And, um, and so I'm just very appreciative that we're having this conversation because I, I think it's one um, that's really important to have. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you all for uh, hanging out with me tonight and just kind of diving into these questions, um, because these questions really uh, don't pull any punches. They are pushing us straight into the deep end. Um, lots of big, deep questions kind of about what it looks like to follow Jesus in this area. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, we had a couple questions kind of around a similar idea. Someone asked, why doesn't Jesus talk more about clinical forms of worry or anxiety? Uh, and then we had a similar question uh, about how someone with serious anxiety can follow this call from Jesus when the anxiety can feel so big or like there isn't really a choice involved. And both of these are great questions. Uh, I'm going to kick us off by starting uh, talking about that first one. Um, so if you remember in the sermon, I talked about how Jesus isn't really talking about clinical anxiety in the way that we would now. He's more talking about kind of your regular stress or worry. And a big reason for that is that clinical worry and anxiety, the way that we think about it, just wasn't something that was thought about back then, right? Like the DSM-5 hadn't been written. Uh, it just wasn't how people thought about mental health and struggles that people were facing. So expecting Jesus to comment on it would be almost like expecting him to comment on recent phenomenon like global warming or online dating. It just wasn't something that they had language for or would have talked about back then. And, you know, Jesus knows all things like he could have, you, you know, you can make the argument he could have talked about it. Um, I think he would have really seriously confused his listeners because that's just really not where they were at or how they thought about things. Um, and so I do think that this is a part of creation that Jesus wants to renew and see change though. And so I think there's still a lot we can talk about here about what it looks like to follow Jesus's call not to worry, especially when you're dealing with 
serious anxiety, clinical forms of anxiety, whatever it may be. So I would love to hear from you, just if you have any thoughts generally about what it looks like to take this command to not worry seriously when you're really, really battling with anxiety. Thinking about is that I think one of the ways that God can work in an area of struggle in our lives is through the people and resources that he um, surrounds us with. Uh, Coming from the uh, mental health field perspective, um, what what we see backed by research and backed just by clinical experience is that for most people who have a clinical level of anxiety, uh, a combination of medication and um, and therapy is the best course of treatment. Um, and I think that God certainly um, can work through those means as a way to care for his people. Um, and I think part of part of our response, you know, if this is something that we are struggling with is also to um, be willing to acknowledge those struggles and take the steps um, toward getting help rather than staying stuck in a place of worry without any action. Um, And granted, you know, what that path forward, what those resources are or the people are is going to look different from person to person. Not everybody is on the medication bandwagon or the therapy bandwagon or whatnot. And there's a lot of different paths to addressing anxiety, but especially when it's at that clinical level, um, I think paying attention to what are those things around me that can help me. So I'm not just sitting in this worry. Um, I think, I think that that can be really helpful and in line with the gospel in line with with what we know is is true for God and how he works and how he can work in and through us. Yeah, that's, that's really good, Lisa. I, I think about the seasons that I've walked through um, of anxiety, of depression, of, uh, of deep worry. And, and it does in those moments feel really, you're stuck. You, you don't feel like you can move forward. Um, you know, the, the things that were, recurring thoughts for me were, you know, this is never going to change. It's always going to be like this. Um, it'll never get better. Um, and when, when you're able to take those small steps forward and realize how many tools and resources are available, even as simple as go for a walk, go outside, you can turn your phone off. Things like you are in complete control of so much when there is also so much that you're completely not in control of and, and learning the difference there uh, was really valuable for me. So, um, yeah, I, you know, in those seasons, working with a therapist, um, exercising more regularly, controlling my inputs of, of what type of media I was consuming. Um, you know, for, for me, shutting off social media was, was the answer to, to a lot of that. Um, I needed to stop that, that input. And, um, and yeah, it's, it, it is just amazing what, what you do have control of in those moments when you feel like everything is out of control. Yeah. We, I know, um, in my community group this past week, which 
Lisa and Drew, you are both a part of. Um, mm-hmm. But we, when we were talking about anxiety and worry in the passage, one of the big things that has stuck out to me that I've learned and, and kind of shared with the group is just the, the difference between agency and control because we we were talking about how we're actually not in control of very much. Um, that's what God is in control. Like that's his role. But at the same time, we still have agency, right? Like we can still make choices and um, how we respond to the situations that we're in and those kinds of things still matters. And so I think, yeah, Drew, I love kind of the points that you're making there of just like, yeah, what do I have agency over in this situation, even though I may not have control, um, even sometimes over how our own mind functions, it feels like we don't have control over that. But we do have agency about how we can um, choose to take small steps forward or, or invite other people in to help us take those steps forward. Yeah, I liked what you all said. Um, something that I didn't really draw the connection until I was reflecting on this was um, one of the many like coping skills um, related to anxiety, whether wherever you are on that spectrum of anxiety and worry um, is like grounding techniques and mindfulness. And that was something when I was reading verse 34, where Jesus said like, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Um, I was kind of thinking like, the modern, for me, um, example is like those grounding techniques and mindfulness that brings me back to the present moment um, and how like that's what Jesus is calling us to in this is like um, being present to the now. And when we are overwhelmed or stressed or overcome by anxiety, that's one of the hardest parts is being present to the current moment, but have that anxiety about um, whatever it may be. Um, and so that kind of like, for me, drew that connection of like the modern kind of coping skills that are recommended or suggested among many um, that I I thought was kind of cool. Like that's a really cool way to live out this calling or another skill or tool to have to, to live out this calling in the verse. Yeah. Yeah, because the future is God's domain, right? That's that's mm-hmm. not ours. We're we're not in that place. We're not in control of it. We're not. We don't have access to it. Um, you know, James talks a lot about like we we can create all these plans, these grandiose ideas about what what tomorrow is, good or bad, right? But but that's not up to us. We have today, um, and and to let let God own his part, which is the future. Um, and being here now, I think, I think it's a really good point, Katie. Yeah, when you were talking, Katie, it made me, um, it made me think about the fact that, like, so often in building these skills, learning about them, figuring out what works for us and what doesn't, even a lot of the examples that you were talking about, Drew, of like ideas about going for a walk or how to, you know, change our use of technology or whatnot those things can be particularly hard to figure out where to even start or what to even try when you are in the midst of anxiety. And so I feel like that's, that's even more reason to find those people, those resources um, to help guide you, because I think, you know, it, 
it's fairly common for people to think like, oh, those are so, so obvious or so simple. Um, and to have this expectation of, I should be able to figure this out on my own. And yet um, for many people, when they're in anxiety, it, it's kind of like blinders where they can't even consider some of these things and, and need it um, need it presented to them or need some help even figuring out how to get going with it. Yeah. Which is the important community, right? Like we, we need each other and I think about those seasons of, of more isolation, right? Especially over the past couple of years. And being a man, uh, there's even more tendency, right? To just, I got this. I'm going to isolate. I don't, I don't, you know, the guys, we'll just talk about sports, whatever. Like, I needed those people to be anchors for me or to be um, a, a place to bring hard things to and to be met with, you know, care and concern and, yeah we need each other yeah and I love just how you know at, at first asking the question of like you know why doesn't the bible address this more clearly uh and I you know when I first think about that I'm like yeah it should but I love how as the conversation has gone on uh it shows us that in in ways it has you know that's the the cool thing about the bible is that even though it was written so long ago there are still these principles that um, can come forth in a modern way, right? Like you're talking about community and talking about being mindful, you know, kind of what Jesus is saying, like, look at the birds, look at the flowers, right? These are mindful practices for us that we can take into our modern, you know, adapt them to fit our modern needs. And even just, you know, going back to what you said at the beginning, Lisa, about like, medication and doctors and people who are you know advanced in areas of therapy it's like that is the church and people and the gifts that god has given people and um you know i I think we can separate out things like science and psychology from god but i really think actually like you said lisa a lot of times god works through those things and that is kind of how he is responding to us and um, presenting ways to to help us move forward. So, yeah, thank you all. Those are really good thoughts. Another question that kind of, you know, kind of stays on that theme of dealing with worry and the effects in our lives. We had someone ask, uh, they said, in retrospect, people who worry a lot often regret worrying so much. So how might you counsel someone dealing with regret or grief? about their worrisome seasons of life? Um, yeah, I, I think there's something to mourn there. Um, there. There's a loss, whether it is attention, whether it's mental space, our mood, something else. Um, I, I do think that worrying can, especially like chronic worrying, can take something from us. And and so there's something to grieve there. Um, And I think a lot of times, and this plays out too with anxiety, when we try to focus so much on stopping something, it just ramps it up more, right? When we try to focus on stopping, worrying about something, then we're worrying about worrying about it. And all of a sudden we're in this this cycle. And I think the same is true for this of when we're, 
when we're focused on worrying about the losses that have come with worrying, we can get kind of stuck there. And so uh, acknowledging the, the loss and moving into more of a space of grieving the loss of what worrying has, has taken from you. And, you know, like I said before, that could be a lot of different things, allowing that to be what it is and leaning more into the grief than the concern about that being what it is, um, I think can be kind of freeing for some people. But yeah, there's there's um, definitely loss there. Um, yeah, I like how you said that, Lisa. My, my immediate thought was like, that's so valid. Like, um, every, every part of that is just so valid and that I think there's definitely room to like receive grace to give yourself grace and then also to receive grace um from god in that when i was reflecting on this question it it made me think if you're at a place where you could acknowledge the regret or the guilt or, or the grief of spending those that energy that time that that anguish um worrying about things in your past that probably means you're out of that season. And so for me, that, that gives me space to think about growth and how, what have I learned since then that I might not repeat that season again? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a statistic somewhere that you could pull that we'll talk about the, like the high percentage of things that we all worry about that never come true. Right. Um, minute scale to like massive, you know, universal scale, things that never come to pass. And, and we all spend so much time being concerned, being worried, being anxious. Um, but to be able to look back and, and say, wow, I, I used to process those emotions this way and it would paralyze me and no longer because I've put these practices into place or I'm trusting God at a deeper level. Uh, my faith in him is deeper because I went through that season. Um, I think I think I see how God has used that in my life that that he used seasons of darkness and seasons of isolation to to show maybe some cracks in my foundation to show you know where I was putting my hope um and it wasn't in him in those those places so I had an opportunity to to come back to my savior each time um which is a gift I think going off of that, um, that was really good. I, when talking about like that room to like ask ourselves and to reflect of being out of that worrisome season, I think it also connects really well to the the sermon that Julie gave of like how worry reveals the state of our hearts and the different examples that she gave of what that can reveal. Um, like, yeah, it just gives you that room and to reflect back and to to think about what was the state of my heart and um, yeah, where was I at in those moments? Also connecting back to what Julie was talking about earlier with control versus agency. I think, I think a lot of times um, people have this regret or this sense of loss of what worrying has taken from them when it, when it feels like it wasn't worth anything uh, or productive or 
um, or they didn't gain anything from those worries. And I think a lot of times we can see that when we're looking back, right, much more than when we're in it. Um, but I also think about, you know, with that agency piece, perhaps, um, perhaps people would experience less regret or grief um, by figuring out, by, by thinking through if possible, like what are the things that I can take action in when I'm in that, those periods of worry? You know, what, what works for me? And it's probably going to be a trial and error process as it normally is of figuring out, you know, for example, some people find that they tend to worry most when they turn off their light and are laying in bed trying to sleep because they finally have enough space to think. And so it all comes up. And so, you know, some people find having a notebook sitting next to their bed where they can actually get it out onto paper as being a way to channel some of those worries and, and calm their brains enough to be able to go to sleep. Other people find that having, you know, a, a set worry time that has a start and an end point where you can think deeply about things that are worrying you, but have some structure around it as being helpful for them. There's a million different ways that you could, um, you could go about this, but getting back to that agency piece, perhaps there would be um, less of an experience of regret by trying to have more of a response when we're in those periods of worry than just feeling like we are stuck with no agency or stuck with no options to respond. Yeah, I think I love all of what you guys have shared. I think it's actually a good uh, model even just for anything that you feel like you are grieving or looking back on and feeling regret. I think um, taking time to acknowledge your feelings as valid and, and to grieve what you have lost or to grieve what um, has been challenging is a needed part of moving forward. But then to, yeah, not to stop there, but to look back and to celebrate the growth that you've experienced. I think uh, that's something that we don't always do very well. We like to get out of hard places and just move on and never look back. And there's so much that can be celebrated when we do see the growth and the, the places that God has brought us through. And then I think there is, you know, even more opportunity for growth coming out of that. Like you're talking about looking back and saying, what did work? What didn't work? How can I maybe try something different? Uh, the best place or the best time to, you know, think about those kinds of things is actually when you're not in a season of challenge or of worry or of difficulty. Um, oftentimes we don't think about it until we're there. And by then it's already really challenging. And so implementing anything feels really hard. And so if we can use the whole process that you all laid out and to just be able to say, okay, if this happens again, what places, what things do I want in my life that can help me um, take those steps and, and help me prepare for any other seasons. And so, yeah, I think you guys shared so much wisdom there just in that question. I was just going to add, taking it one step further, Jilly, not just identifying, but actually starting to incorporate those skills. Because if we are doing them in a time of calm, 
it's going to be much easier to do them in a time of worry or challenge. But if we're holding off on, on using some of those skills or tools or grounding, you know, strategies like you were talking about earlier, Katie, if we're, if we're not even trying them until we need them, they're much less likely to work. And so thinking through like, what are some of these things that I can be be implementing in my day-to-day or week-to-week or just getting very comfortable with now, um, I feel like sets you up well for managing periods of worry in the future. Absolutely. Um, This is kind of a a somewhat related question and Drew, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but in Mm -hmm. our community group, you shared just some wisdom about, we kind of mentioned this while we were talking about this question the idea of like worrying about worrying <laughs> and mm-hmm. how it can sort of become this thing uh, that sort of spirals or, or we're just so worried about something that we can't ever kind of move into the next thing or take a step in, in the direction it sort of paralyzes us to some extent. And um, Drew, I know you shared a little bit just about things that have been helpful for you in that. And so I was wondering if you could share and then if anyone else had um, thoughts on that too, you can feel free to chime in. Yeah, yeah. I've certainly had seasons of of more um, what felt like all-consuming worry, where where everything felt like it was you know triggering just physical response. Um, but I've also had you know even smaller seasons maybe of like decision anxiety and just the pressure to make the absolute right decision the right decision in the eyes of God, the eyes, the right decision in the eyes of my peers, my community. Um, you know, we're, we're just in this time now of, you know, you've talked about it in the past, that shame honor culture, right. Of everything you do is now under, under kind of the watch and, and needing to align with wherever anything is going. So feeling all of that and, and that, indecision and wrestling through okay how do i make this hard decision um and letting letting that just spill out into your whole life and really sap you of energy and and movement forward and so um i my my counselor at the time actually presented this this small book uh to me that had this really impactful passage and it was just talking about how can we get to a place of surrender to the Lord to say, you know what? I thought about it. I, I got some wise counsel. I, I read, I read all the blogs. I listened to the right podcast. I asked you for wisdom and I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to move forward. And I trust that you're going to meet me there in the future, which is your domain anyway. And even if I make the wrong decision, you'll still be there and you'll still love me and you'll still make a way uh, out of it and kind of this idea that like the wringing of my hands as an offering to God is not something he's interested in. He, Him watching me go through that whole, you know, gut wrenching process just to make one decision did nothing to honor him. He loves faith. He loves just stepping out and trusting him and knowing that he's, he's my father and he's going to take care of me. Um, when I'm able to lean into that, yeah, I'm still going to make the wrong decision sometimes, but I'm not going to waste that type of energy again because it's just not, it's not productive energy. It's not productive um, 
you know, expenditure of my precious time and, and resources. And, and he's delighted in my faith in him and, and my trusting that he'll take care of me. Yeah, it's so good. Just more reminders of tomorrow has enough worries for itself, right? God has called us to live in today and to to trust that he has that. And man, I just know I, I can relate to that feeling of like the wringing of hands and, and mm-hmm. just the, the fretting over making a decision. And I, I just love putting that in perspective and thinking like, that's not an offering to God, right? We're not making sacrifices to him so that he will bless our decision making. Like that's not right. how he works. Yep. And and yet it's so easy to to fall into that and to think that our worry is somehow, I don't know, making God work in the way we want him to or something right. like that. Right. I remember kind of going off that. Um, I was faced with two different decisions once and I was meeting with a a mentor and I had a lot of anxiety and worry of like which choice is the right choice and like they're like I could go down this path and there's gonna be horrible consequences or like worst case scenarios of like oh my gosh all these horrible things will happen but I could also go down this other path and those same things could happen like I was just like very 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 uh caught up in that decision and my mentor at the time um she asked me like is your part in either of those decisions to glorify God like is that and I was like yeah like that's like my my like heart behind either of these paths is like I just want to glorify God in these decisions and she was like there you go like (laughs) like either choice is good like they're both good um and I think for me that was very freeing in that moment because I was like oh yeah like they're both good (laughs) like is not necessarily wrong because my heart is focused on Jesus in that. So for me, I think what's been most helpful um, is the reminder that sometimes God pushes us beyond what we can control or figure out those situations where there isn't that, that clear answer that we can come to despite all of our thinking and all of our consulting and, and everything. And sometimes he pushes us to those places where, where we have to depend on him. And, um, and that's been really helpful for me. I am an Enneagram one. I am a very type A. I like to make decisions having thought through every possible um, option and having it be the right decision every time. And that's hard because that's obviously not a possibility. Um, but that's my preference. And it's been really good for me to be in those situations where it's beyond what I can do It's beyond what I can figure out because then it does force me to trust. Um, it forces me to do the best that I can but still have to sit with the wondering or the the doubts or, you know, just the not knowing how this is going to play out because that's really those moments where we can draw close to God and, um, and have to depend on him to see it through in the way that, um, that he has in store for us. And so it's been helpful to keep that perspective 
um, not always comfortable, but helpful. Yeah, that's good. I know it's, uh, I wish that instead of saying, you know, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own, I wish you would have said like, don't worry about tomorrow, there's going to be no trouble or like, you know, it's going to be easy. But I think you're right. He definitely does push us um, to places that are sometimes uncomfortable. And, and truly, that's how we grow, right? You can't have growth when you don't have, um, yeah, uncomfortable parts or times where we feel like we're losing things. Um, I think those are really the things that those challenges are really can be what pushes us to grow. Okay, so we'll end with uh, another hard hitting question. Um, this one is a little bit less about anxiety and more about just understanding this passage of scripture. Uh, so the question asks, how do we understand God's provision if there are areas where people are dying due to lack of access to things like nutrition, water, appropriate clothing, etc.? So, you know, we hear Jesus saying, don't worry about these things. I will provide for you. And, and this person's asking, well, why does that sometimes not happen or, or not appear to happen? Um, this is a, a really hard question. And I know it's something that I've been asking for years and have been troubled by for, for years. Um, and I'm happy it was asked because I've had a lot of passive reflections in the back of my head and now I'm like confronting those like reflections on this. And so I, yeah, I'm really excited for this question, but when I was reflecting on it, I was thinking about the um, friends that I've made who like live in the streets and who don't, don't have access to food or shelter or warmth. And some of them, I remember like just being in awe of their faithfulness in the midst of their circumstances. Um, and just so impressed in that there's that hope and faithfulness there for some of them. And while that's impressive <laughs> and really awe-inspiring and like witnessing to me, um, that doesn't mean they have to stay in that place. Um, or that God wants them to be in that place, not having their needs met. Um, and I think the part where about the birds and like God providing for the birds, I was thinking like, you know, like the birds still have to go like find worms or whatever they eat. Um, and God provides the resources, right? In the same way that he provided like manna for the Israelites. And so, like, God makes those resources, like, they're out there, right? They're in the world. They're available. The part that we play, then, as Christians, is to provide those resources to those who are in need. Um, and I think it kind of reminded me, I've been reading Acts lately, and there's a, a section in Acts 2 where the apostles and the followers like sell their possessions and like distribute to the like the need in the area um and it said like everyone had their need met or something like that and that kind of what this is reminding me of like us as like followers of christ play a role in helping god's provision be enacted 
right? Like God provides the resources, but we also aren't standby. Like we don't just stand by for that. Um, so that's kind of where my brain went of like, we have that calling as Christians. Like we don't just stand by and say like, oh, God's not meeting their, their needs or he's not providing for them. So I was, I was thinking about um, how God wants us to have a heart for people who are struggling, who don't have their needs met or are in um, really challenging circumstances or, or whatnot. He, he wants us to feel strongly for those people because his heart breaks for those people. And ultimately our goal is to have, um, have his heart and his eyes, you know, for, for those around us. And, and so with the question of like, what do we do with the worry? Um, Julie, you had touched on healthy stress and worry versus when it becomes unhealthy for us. And I feel like, like it, it is not in line with God's character and his calling for us to not have any worry or any stress or concern for people who are struggling. Um, and so I think it gets into that like healthy concern, healthy stress um, category uh, for, for our response. And then I like what you were saying, Katie, about, you know, then part of our role is to figure out how we fit into all of this. It's to be responsible for the resources that we've been given and having, being open-handed with that and, um, figuring out, you know, what has God blessed us with both resource wise, as well as like spiritual gifts or, you know, um, aspects of who we are, where he's positioned us to then be able to meet people um, and, and address some of the needs that they have. And so both having a heart for them, but also taking action, I feel like is, is really important. Yeah, Jesus commends that to his disciples, right? That when we do these acts, clothing and, and feeding and providing a cool drink of water, these, these basic necessities that he says he provides even to the birds and the lilies, that like we're doing that to him. Um, and so to have that level of seriousness about it is that's a tall order and, and it reflects the like the tall responsibility that those of us that experience material abundance in this life live under, right? Like we we get the joy and the responsibility of of stewarding these resources and and making sure that um, those around us have what they need. Because the the trap in having all these things is that we feel like we don't need God. We don't look to Him or acknowledge that He's He's the provider for them and for us. And um, and it's amazing when you take that that gratitude away from God. You take the the focus off of off of him and and onto yourself and you're your own provider how much more you do end up worrying because you have that much more to lose and um and you can see it slip away and and you feel like it's all on you to to provide it so um, yeah there's a responsibility there for sure definitely uh it makes me think back to earlier in the sermon on the mount 
um, you know, in the Lord's prayer, when we pray for our daily bread, uh, I think it was N.T. Wright. I heard him say once, just like, it's, it's hard to pray for your daily bread and to not think about the people in the world who don't have what they need on a daily basis. And, and really how, like, oftentimes, as you all have been saying, God uses other people to provide for others daily bread. And I think, you know, talking about how it's a responsibility uh, for us as well is, is a really helpful lens to think, to think it through. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your thoughts. There's so much wisdom uh, that you have all just shared, and I am excited to share it with the rest of the church uh, through this podcast. So thank you for wrestling through these questions together. Uh, I know it was helpful for me, and I really pray and think it will be helpful for people at Red City. And thank you to all of you who have asked questions. Um, we really, really love hearing from you during these series. and. Our ultimate hope is just that you would keep the conversation going with the people in your community group, with people in your life. Um, reach out to any of us. We'd love to keep the conversation going as well. So uh, let's continue to, to think about what it looks like for all of us to follow Jesus as he lays out in Sermon on the Mount. So we love you all, and we hope to see you all on Sunday. Thanks, uh, Lisa and Drew and Katie. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.